Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, worship team. It is so good to be here today and to have each and every one of you with us here this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Yeah. Everybody's still eating leftovers? Kathleen tried to feed leftovers two days in a row. I said, no. I go one day leftovers and that's it. And that's only on special occasions. I'm just one of those believers in fresh manna. Can I say? Amen. No, she says, well, I know why you don't eat leftovers because there wasn't anything left over when you were a kid. True. All right, I'm going to call your attention to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 9, and we're going to read verses, I think I just, Brother uh, Ryan, I think I just put 24, okay, 22, I did, all right, very good, verses 22 through 24, and Samuel took Saul and his servant, brought them into the parlor, and made them sit in the chief place among them that were bidden, which were about 30 persons. And Samuel said unto the cook, imagine that, bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said unto you, set it aside, or set it by you, by thee. I'm echoing on that. And the cook, and the cook, took up the shoulder, and that which was upon it, set it before Saul. Samuel said, Behold, that which is left, set it before thee, and eat. For unto this time hath it been kept for you, since I said, I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. Amen. I know, I think they're trying to get me dialed in here. Okay, and if I could uh, get those track lights turned way down, please. Appreciate it. All right, amen. And uh, we're going to, would like to talk to you this morning on this thought simply, you are invited. Amen. You are invited. Going to ask you if you would, if you just lift your hearts to the Lord. And uh, Brother McCune, I hope you don't get tired of me answering and leaving you in prayer, but if you would be so kind. Amen. Just lift your hearts with us, would you please? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Praise God. 
Well, we just went past Thanksgiving, didn't we? And just a couple of questions. Did you have anybody special over to your house this year? The best dishes were laid out, more than likely. Fancy tablecloth. Now, you know, just Kathleen and I, we, you know, when it's just us, we don't do the fancy stuff, okay? But we did. I mean, we had, I mean, gold tablecloth and mats and, I mean, who uses real cloth napkins, right? We do the paper towel thing at my house, but, but Thanksgiving's different, Christmas is different. Best of everything, right? I mean, may have not even. Did you take a bite of everything? I did, not everything. But do you remember who was sitting there? You remember who was sitting at the head of the table? Your right, your left. And were there special guests this year? See, we've all been invited to those very special occasional dinners. I would like to, I want to show a couple of photos here just to kind of get us going here. Uh, as you, I've shared this before, there's a photo of, of a very fancy table with a bunch of chairs. How many of you ever been to a really important dinner? This is probably, you know, the most, what do I want to say, the most famous dinner that I was ever attended. Uh, one of the times we were in Myanmar, as I just shared with you before, the vice president of the country, uh, Brother Henry Theo, he is apostolic. And... Uh, he was there, and I, you know, I actually spoke uh, when he was him and his wife and the guards. I've shown you all the pictures, and and uh, they were there one time when I was preaching. And then after we ate uh, the fatted cow and pig, literally for lunch, right? I mean, they kill it there, and then we eat lunch there. But then he invited us to go and visit the vice presidential palace and have dinner. And there we had dinner. An amazing thing. It was pretty incredible. And then uh, there's another photo uh, there of me sitting behind a desk. There, I'm sitting in the cheapest seat, they say. That's a vice president's desk. And... Uh, of course, it is a very uh, significant dinner event in my life. I will remember that one for a long, long time. And there was one dinner, I know this is hard to believe, but okay, there's a, a photo there, Sister Alicia or Brother Ryan, whichever one, there's a photo, there you go. And... 1989, I was invited to attend the presidential inauguration of George Bush, Sr. And 
I had other things to do, so I couldn't go, right? <laughs> they sent him to, as the envelope said, clergy. They sent him to everybody in America. That's the, that's the way they, uh, they were doing things. And with that, there was a, a really uh, uh, very meaningful prayer that went along with it. But I just wanted to, to share that with you. But, you know, it's not so much about the delicious food being served, but it's more about the event, the occasion, okay? And it's about who's hosting the event. Right? Now, I know how many, you know, dads, how many dads you were really kind of the host. Uh, I'm certainly mom and dad, but for the most part, dad being what we believe still be the head and the leader of the home, right? How many dads led, how many dads were sitting at the head of the table this year? Yeah, I. I ain't going to give up that spot, not Thanksgiving. Are you kidding me? But in a sense, you are the host, you, your wife, your family, you're the host of that dinner. You're the one that is putting on the best that you have to offer for your loved one. Amen? And let me give you couple of illustrations of the magnificence of two Old Testament dinners that were hosted by kings. 1 Kings 4.22, we're told of Solomon's provision for one day, one day, 185 bushels of flour. Anybody know how much a bushel is? Sounds like a lot, but I don't know. I think he said it's 55 gallons or something. This is King Solomon. One day, he went through 185 bushels of flour, 375 bushels of mill, 10 fat oxen, 20 cows, 100 sheep. In addition, hearts. I don't think it's the heart. I think it's a galloping you know, thing, in addition, some other kind of deer, roebucks, sears, fallow deer. I don't know what fallow deer are, but that's what it says. Okay, fat fowls, fat ducks, you know. One commentator estimates these daily provisions would feed around 15,000 people. That's per day. Now, that's the price you pay when you have 700 wives. I don't think all, all of them were there at one time. But, I'm just... but that's his daily. Now, this is the provisions of a king. This is what he has to offer. When you come and sit at his table, you are not going to go away empty. 
Then in the book of Esther, there's a king. I call him X because I have no idea how you pronounce X-E-R-X-E-S. Xerxes or something. He put on a feast that lasted 180 days. Six months. It was held at least in part in his palace gardens, which the book of Esther says he had hanging there, hangings of white, blue, green, pillars of marble, couches of gold and silver. The pavement was made with red, blue, white, and black marble. And the drinking vessels were of pure gold and were diverse one from another. That man had some. 180 days. That's what it says. In other words, I've related to you the story of two kings when you came to a feast that they were hosting, you were not going to go away empty. But that's nothing compared to a dinner that was held on top of a mountain called Sinai. Exodus 24, we're told that Moses... I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but you can check it out. It's not getting out of context here. Moses has been invited to join the Lord on the top of 7,500-foot Mount Sinai. That's not very tall, but there it is. He receives the first written word of God we know, right? Amen? Right, amen? There you go. Okay, you with me? Amen? Moses then goes down. He tells the people what God has instructed him. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord said we will do. Moses builds an altar to the Lord. They offer sacrifices, sprinkling blood on the altar. Then in verse number 7, Moses reads from the book of the covenant the words God has given him to the people. The people once again affirming, Yea, Lord, Moses, we will obey. We're told Moses sprinkles blood on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you concerning all these words. Then the Lord says to Moses, Come up again to the top of Mount Sinai, bring Aaron, Nadab, I buy you, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship afar off. Verses 9 through 11, Then went up Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, the seventy elders of Israel. And now you can only imagine, I check this out, I want to go on that hike. I'm just telling you right now, I'd like to go on that hike. Egypt controls it now. Israel gave it back. Okay, but Anyway, so 
but it takes a little while, 7,500 feet going up. Okay, now you have to imagine the conversation between Moses, his brother Aaron, Aaron's two sons, and these 70 others as they're walking up this mountain. God has already delivered them the first written words of God. And they're walking up there and they're probably wondering, oh boy, what are we going to experience? And as they climb to the top, listen to this. We are told in that setting of scriptures, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of Israel, the seventy, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw God and did eat and drink. The Hebrew translation from the Tanaka reads, They beheld God, and they ate and they drank. The Amplified Version says, They saw the manifestation of the presence of God, and there they had dinner. I don't know. Is that what it says? It says, They saw visibly a manifestation of God, and there they had a picnic lunch, if you will, with the Lord. Now, you can't even imagine the experience that took place in their lives when they were the very, very, they were 70 strong. There they were in the presence of God. God had invited them to partake of I don't know what. Am I exaggerating or is that what it says? Not me. I don't know what they saw other than the Bible says that they saw and it was as if sapphire under his... It's, they saw a manifestation because it said under his feet... And they ate and they drank. Now, I don't read anywhere where Moses told them to pack a lunch because they were going to have a nice little picnic with God up there. I don't know where the food come from. I don't know what they ate that day. But there is speculation, or if I could use my imagination, I believe that God had a spread. Because, see, what he was actually doing was, when you made a covenant in the Old Testament, it was consummated at the dinner. Now, back to our scripture reading. Samuel took Saul and a servant. He made them sit in the chief 
place. But how in the world did Saul go from chasing dad's donkeys to being invited to a feast the man of God was presiding over and then being told to sit at the head of the table? Here's what we know about Saul up to this point. The Bible tells us he is tall and he is handsome. His family is rich enough to hire servants. His father, Kish, from the tribe of Benjamin, sends him and a servant on an errand to find dad's lost donkeys. After three days, they're ready to give up looking. Saul's servant offers some advice that they pay a visit. Listen carefully to verse number 6. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now there is in this city a man of God. He is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Let's go see him, and perhaps he can tell us which way we should go. There's a lot in that. <laughs> but needless to say, let me just, we'll get into it a little bit. But let me just say to you that if you are searching for something with a higher purpose and you have arrived here today, I am a preacher that is going to try to let you know that God has reserved this seat where you are sitting for you today. It's your name that's upon that thing and he wants to speak into your life. So, he says, let's go and see him. Maybe, maybe he can tell us which, maybe he can give us some direction. Maybe, maybe the preacher can give us some direction. They enter the city. They ask where they might find Samuel. They are told he is going to host a feast today. They call it the high place. The high place is a holy place where the people would assemble for prayer and sacrifice. What is your high place? Verse 14 says, They made their way up to the high place. Samuel meets them on the way. Verse number 15, Saul's got no idea what is going to happen in his life that day. He is just out on a mission. His high mission in life today is to find lost donkeys. That's his purpose so far. And Samuel, he has no idea Verse number 15 says, Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before, tomorrow about this time, 1123, 
about this time, I'm going to send you a man out of the land of Benjamin, and you will anoint him to be captain over my people. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, Behold the man that I spoke to you about yesterday. This is the man that will rule over my people. You understand that we don't know sometimes why and where it is that the word, the inspired words that seem to connect and somehow infiltrate your heart and your mind. But it is connected with the very word of God that has been spoken to men and preachers and teachers of the word of God. You cannot be, the Bible says, by the foolishness, by the foolishness of preaching, you will be saved. He says, hey, Samuel, you know, I whispered in your ear yesterday and you're wondering if, you know, what was happening. Well, that's the guy. That's the person that I whispered in your ear yesterday. And the Bible says that as Samuel drew near to Saul, Saul identified himself as the seer. The Bible says the seer tells him to go on ahead of him to the high place. For I would like you to join me for dinner. I have a message for you. Oh, and don't worry about the donkeys. They're not lost. They're found. Verse number 22, And Samuel took Saul and his servant as they went to that high place, the place where the people assemble, and they pray, and they sacrifice, kind of like what we describe as our assembled service on Sunday morning, or Sunday night, or Monday, or Tuesday, or Wednesday. It is a place where we assemble, and we pray. It is our high place. It is the holy place of God. It's this place right here that has an altar that you can seek Him, and you can get direction in your life because God never meant for you to go chasing donkeys when He's got a spread for you. Verse 22, when Samuel took Saul and his servant, they're like, Saul's scratching his head. He said, what am I doing here? I don't even know if they changed clothes. Been looking for donkeys for three days. I'm just, you know, I don't think they had a, you know, a, what do they call them, campgrounds, cave? What is it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, they got showers at least. I'm thinking they probably didn't have showers back then. I don't know. They maybe had jump in the river or something. I don't know. But something tells me that they didn't exactly have time. This was the high place. This was a feast that was put on by Samuel. 
Samuel at that time. He was the judge, the prophet, the spokesman. And he was putting on a feast. Why? So the people could be encouraged and inspired that when they come together, Brother Jeff, that when they came together for prayer, when they came together to offer their sacrifices of praise, they could be assured and confident that God was going to be there with them and He was going to give them a word of encouragement that Jesus is coming. He's not forgotten you. all scratching up. Man, what am I doing here? I was just out chasing donkeys. And, whoa. The Bible says that Samuel took Saul and his servant, brought them into a separate room, a room that was reserved for only the very prestigious guests. 30, the Bible says, 30 of them in all. And then then he tells Saul, he pulls out, he pulls out the seat of the, I know they come apart. And he pulls out the seat at the head of the table. Some guy, some donkey chaser. Samuel says, probably think, God, what are you doing? You sure you got this right? Yeah. He says, here you go, Samuel. So here's their sacrifice right there. He says, because when I made arrangements and sent the invitations out, you know, saying I was going to host the dinner so the people could come together and encourage one another, and pray one for another. He says, but this seat, what this seat was reserved with your name on it the very first day I sent out the invitations. This is your chair, son. You ever been asked to sit at the head of a table at a dinner? You don't need to hear my story, but it happened to me one time. It blew my mind, right? But that's not all. Then Samuel goes back and he says, hey, Mr. Cook, who's the best chef here in the house? Did you take it? We ain't got, oh, there you go. Sister Evanier, yep. He goes to the, he goes to the chef and he says, okay, remember that piece of choice meat that I asked you to set aside for me? Well, the guest has arrived. Would you please bring it in? The Bible says that the cook brings it in and he sets it before Saul in front of all these very prestigious 30 other people. He sets it before him and he tells him, he says, Saul, he says, this portion 
is reserved for you. You know what that was? That's, that was what was reserved. The shoulder was reserved for the priest. It was called the royal portion. Yeah, the royal portion. <laughs> hey, Mr. Donkey Man, how you feeling right now? Hello. He's sitting there in front of all these people, not just, you know, been invited and then separated into the, the, the separate room where only the, you know, the, the black tie guys are at, but he pulls out the chair and he sits him down in front of all of them and they're probably scratching their heads and thinking, well, I thought that's supposed to be my seat. And then to top it off, the cook brings in the very choice piece of meat, lays it in front of him. It is the royal portion. He says, Saul, when you get done, enjoy your meal, son. But the point is, he tells him, he says, this chair has been reserved for you ever since I sent out the invitations. I just didn't know until yesterday, who it was for. And he says, you eat and enjoy yourself, and then tomorrow, I've got a word for you. He says, they go up to the rooftop. I may not get it exact here, but I don't have time to get it exact. But you can read the story, and I'm not, I'm not taking anything out of context. But then, what happens? <laughs> what happens? But he takes him up there and he says, hey, Saul, I got a word for you. He says, but, but, but before, I, before I do, he says, I need to do something. He says, the Lord has told me to anoint you. He says, I'm going to anoint you. And then I've got a word for you. And the word is that the Lord has called you to a higher purpose. The Lord has called you to be a greater influence wherever it is that you are right now. The Lord is calling you to become a more dynamic Christian than you have ever been in your life. The Lord is calling you to become a teacher of the Word of God. The Lord is calling you to become whatever you can to become His best son while we have a few minutes left on planet Earth. And He anoints Saul with oil and the Bible says this, that the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him just a few, you know, a few scriptures later, and he began to prophesy. You get it? The Lord has, he, what it, the Lord has reserved that seat, this empty seat right here, it does have a name on it. I don't know who it is right now, but there is a name that is attached to every seat in his house. 
And I don't know the, the high calling of God in your life or in this invisible person's life today, but I do know that there is a higher calling of God in their life than where they are today and where you and I are today. The seat that you occupy isn't just for us to wine and dine each other, but it's to offer a more excellent sacrifice unto God because He's worthy of it. God wants to call you to a higher place today. He wants to put a fresh anointing in your life. Come on. He wants to, he wants to put a fresh anointing upon your life. That shoulder was a priest's portion, referred to as the royal portion, was a symbol of the highest honor. Samuel tells Saul, God's going to bless him. I'm telling you, I'm reminding you today, whoever you are today, God is going to bless you if you will allow Him to bless you. God is going to take you to high places. Oh, I wonder what if the, I wonder what that man was experiencing that day. I wonder what he was feeling after he gets out of that chair and he feels that anointing of, of the man of God on his life. I wonder what he was feeling now. You want to know what he was feeling? Verse number 6, And the Spirit of the Lord shall come upon you, and you shall prophesy, listen to this, and be turned into another man. No way. No way. I'm a donkey chaser. But when you feel the Spirit of God come upon you, you shall be turned into another man. Brother Jeff, I'm glad you are not the same man that you used to be. I am thankful that you are not the same man or woman that you used to be. I'm grateful for the high calling of God in your life. But I'm here to remind us that every day there is a fresh anointing that God wants to send from heaven's throne. Chapter 10 and verse number 9. Listen carefully. And it was so when Saul left Samuel that day, God gave him another heart. And all of those signs came to pass. You read it. It's, it's nothing other than miraculous what occurs to the, in that man's life all of a sudden. Amen. I'm here to remind us there's an anointing of God He wants us to experience. He wants you to know that you have it, that you have. I'm here to remind us that this church has a very bright future ahead of us. 
Our good days are yet to come. Our better days are ahead of us, folks. He wants you to know you have a great future in serving God. You see, the king has sent out to your home an invitation to a magnificent event. You can find it in Matthew 22, 1 through 14. I won't take the time to read it all, but it goes like this. A king sent out invitations to attend the marriage for his son. Read it. Woo! Now, I've given you a couple of examples of the, the riches of kings back in their day. But this is not referring to an earthly king. This is referring to the king of kings that he has sent out an invitation for you and me to become espoused to the marriage of his son. He has sent it out. He's saying, come, come and be a part of this church. We're told he sent forth his servants to call them to come all that had been invited to the wedding. This was not just any ordinary occasion. This was the wedding. You know how it is. How many of you get that invite? You put it on. You, you know, you have 30 magnets, 30 old, you know, Seahawks calendars and stuff on your fridge and you get that invite and you put it under one of the magnets and a few weeks later you look at, whoops, I missed it. <laughs> Kevin, you good guys have never done that, right? They just hang there. But the Bible says this king sent out invitations. In other words, it implies that they got it in the mail. And let me tell you, there was some anticipation and there was some excitement when they received in their hand that invite. They felt like that they were pretty special. <laughs> they felt like they were pretty special. An invitation from the king. Are you kidding? I just wonder what kind of a spread that man is going to have. I wonder what the setting is going to be like. But the Bible says that when the day for the wedding, the king sent out his servants and to inform those that had been invited, to inform them that everything was ready. They had spent months preparing for this thing and everything was decorated just right. And the Bible says, but they, they refused to come. They were excited when they got the invite. But during that time period, they had married. They had acquired farms and real estate. They had new careers. And the Bible says, you can read it, Matthew and Luke, they begin to make a good reason why that they couldn't come. Is that what it says? But oh, here's the good news. 
Now, you can read it. Hey, there's only a couple of times that we read in the, in the New Testament where it says when it talks about angry, okay? One of them was when Jesus went into the temple on two occasions. He got mad and started kicking things around. And this one here, when he found out that those people, and I, I understand this is talking about Israel too, but this is talking about that we can apply this right here to the New Testament church, to our day. And the Bible says when the king found out that they weren't coming, oh boy, it, you know, you ever played the old pinball machines where you get a little bit too aggressive and you tilt it and you lose the game? Old school. Yeah. But the Bible says that king got a little tilted. And the Bible says he got angry. He says, that is unacceptable. He says, fine. He says, you go out into the highways and the byways, and I want you to find every donkey chaser that you can find, and I want you to invite them into my house. What? Forget them big wigs that own the fancy cars and, you know, all the night, the billionaire. Forget them. He says, I want you to know that I have made this thing so, I have spent so much time in preparing this thing. He says, I want you to go out. I want you to fill my house. The Bible says that they go out there and they go into the nooks and the crannies, they start bringing in the blind people. Now, can you imagine with me a donkey chaser, right? We'll, he's a blind man, but I call him donkey chasers. He's out, he's out doing whatever they do, right? He's blind. He doesn't, have a, he doesn't have a purpose. They say, hey, come on, man. Hey, what? Well, we're taking you to the king's house. What? You're joking, right? Fake news, right? You're CNN, right? You're bluffing, right? No, sir. Can you imagine as they lead that blind man into the courts of the king's palace? Or, and then they go in, they find a deaf guy. Yeah, Herman, tell her. Then they find a lame fella. You know, there's all kinds of donkey chasers out there. And they say, wait, wait, wait. Then they go out and they find a jaybird. Then they find an ollie. They say, wait a minute now, you're bluffing. Nope. The king is sent out. He, I've got the invite right here, and I'm telling you, man, he has got a seat reserved with your name on it, and he has a spread that is going to blow your mind. Now, can you imagine a bunch of donkey chasers inside the king's palace, and they're, you know, they're, they've been looking for donkey. They smell bad. They don't look good. They ha don't probably have a very good reputation. They ain't got no money. And the king says, come on in, boys. 
That is exactly what he is saying to the world today. I, you, we were one of them. But somebody said, hey, somebody knocked on my $75 a month shack that I was living in. And they said, hey, man, you're not going to believe this, but the king has invited you to come to the high place. What? But I'm still a little, you know, if I breathe on somebody and they light a match, they're going to get burnt. Don't worry about it. Just come. Because when he comes get you, he's got a plan for you that he is going to take you to a higher place in life that is going to give you a purpose. He is going to anoint you with the power of the Spirit of God. And when you leave that place, you are going to become a new man. And he is going to put a new heart inside of you, son. And when you go home, they are going to know that you have been changed. They're going to know that you have dined with the king. As you stand with us. But oh, it gets better for you and me. Revelation 19, 7 and 10. Can you put that up there, one of the controllers? Revelation 19, 7 through 10. Look at this. You see, we are blessed here in this life. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth at the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Whatsoever he toucheth shall prosper. His leaf shall not wither. But then... There's going to come a day, you see. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his espoused wife hath made herself ready. You understand? This is not just, this is not ordinary stuff that, that I'm dealing with or that I'm you're dealing with. This is not just, you know, this is not just cupcakes and cookies we're dealing with here. I'm going, I have been sent a invitation. I am preparing myself that when that trumpet sounds and the espoused bride is caught up into the clouds, the Bible says, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in 
fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are true sayings of God. This is not just something that men have made up. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. Jesus said, He said, If I go away, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. Don't let your heart get all, you know, Keep it at a nice level 42 or 45. And, and he said, don't let be trouble because if I go away, I'm going away to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. If it wasn't true, I would tell you so. He is fixing the spread is going to be so magnificent. You can't imagine. Paul says, I was there one day, and I'm telling you, it's against the law for me even to share with you what I saw and what I heard. This is going to be a reality. Seven years, the Bible talks. A seven-year feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb, while we are fellowshipping in our highest of high places because we will be in the presence. Listen. The earthlings don't want to be here. You understand? The seat that you're at today, it welcomes you. It welcomes you with open arms. It's saying, yes. But when the door closes on the church age, I'm not trying to put fear of you. I'm not trying to instill any kind of negativity to you. I'm trying because I'm a watchman. You don't even, can't even imagine. We can't comprehend it. There's no way you can comprehend it. His wife has made herself ready. There's a there's a Christmas tradition in Poland as they set up their table with all the finery and everything, they set an extra seat and a plate at the table. And I believe it's the head of the table. I'm not certain of that. But they set that there. A couple of different thoughts on it. 
One is they're inviting the Savior to join them. But the other is that in case a visitor or a stranger shows up that has nowhere to go. They absolutely open that door and welcome whoever it is to sit at that table and they feed that person and give them lodging that night. Kind of like entertaining angels unawares. I say that because I want you, I want collectively to understand this. When I sit in that chair, wherever it is that you sit, you've got to understand there is a high calling that goes along with that seat. Brother Block, there's a high calling that goes along with that seat. There is an anointing. The Lord has anointed me to what? Preach this gospel to offer to the poor and the broken, the lame and the deaf. There's a high calling that goes with that seat, Brother Austin, and there is an anointing that goes with that. And wherever we are right now today, The Lord, I, I just love that. The Bible says that, that when Saul left that day and when after he had been anointed, after he had received the word from the Lord, after he had, you know, he had experienced all of that, after the spirit of the Lord came upon him, the Bible says, and he prophesied, the Bible says that when he left, God gave him a new heart. I don't want to leave the house of God ever without some kind of a transformation in my life. Because I am being transformed day by day by day by day by day by day. So I'm asking you as we close here today, I, I ask you that if, if you... If there's something in your life, if you need a miracle in your life, if you need a fresh anointing in your life, if you need once again to hold this very precious invitation in your hands and it burn while you're holding it, I want you to come this morning. I want you to realize maybe you, maybe somebody is here and they're, they're struggling a little bit with direction in your life. <laughs> is once you give your heart to God and you turn it over to Him, right? And you just say, Lord, open the door. And He opens the door. Pretty soon I'm driving a Mercedes Benz. I don't even know what I'm supposed to. I don't even know how to turn the thing on. All of a sudden I'm not living in $15,000 trailer no more. I'm living in this house that they say is worth a whole lot more than I'd give them for it. But... You understand is that, that you've got no idea what the Lord has for your future. 
But one thing we know, that He's got a higher purpose. Wherever you are at today, He wants to take you to a higher place. So I pray as they sing, we invite you to come to the front here. And, and one thing that they had at that high place, it was a place of prayer. It was a place where they would assemble and sacrifice. But the main ingredient that they had there was an altar. That's where it all came together. And I know that this is... This isn't your, your real altar is your heart. We understand that. But this here is, this is really, this is the high place for, this is the high place for the church. This is the place where we come and we say, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, take me to that place, Lord. Take me to that place, Lord. Take me to that place, Lord. Take me to that place. If you need healing today, the Lord can heal you. You need a miracle. Come on, I'm telling you. I believe the Lord can, I believe that we can anoint you and I believe that the Lord has the power to heal you. I believe that this morning. Would you come? Would do you good. If nothing else to come down and spend a couple of minutes and thank Him for, thank Him that you have a seat. <laughs> thank Him that you got a seat this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. Let's lift our hearts to Him. Thank you, Jesus. If you need special prayer, if you'll come right down here to the very front, we will pray with you. Don't limit the Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Old Testament Israel, they were, they were uh, corrected because it says that they had limited the Holy One of Israel. I don't want to limit God. I want to give Him every opportunity. Every opportunity. That's it. That's it. Come on. Come on, that's it. Come on, let's be bold this morning. Let's be bold this morning. Come on, let's be bold. Let's be bold. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you, God. We pray for you. You know the need, Jesus. God, we have challenge hearing impossible.
possible. 